You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Tristan's for the Archaeology Podcast Network here at Brighton 2018. Across the table from me, I have Mark Spanier. Yes, yes. See, uh, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. People get that wrong a lot, don't they? Well, they make great attempts, let's put it that way. <laughs> so you've been actually presenting and organizing stuff. You had your uh, session today. What was that about? It was called Reconnecting uh, Archaeology. And it is the intention, and I think it we were successful at it, is that archaeologists have views about themselves and ideas and, and other archaeologists. And in the end, I think archaeology will be a more pleasant and a worthwhile experience for, well, all involved. If we sort of cross boundaries and, and where we have lost things, pick them up and, well, make new connections with other groups outside of archaeology. So that was very much about that. So we try to be a bit thought provoking. And this is the whole thing, is that a lot of the time people feel very put into a corner, put into a box. How do we get out of those boxes and do we put ourselves in them? Well, boxes, we have a tendency to think that boxes are bad. But then if you don't have a box, if you don't have borders, you will probably feel quite lost. So there is, it's not per se bad, but you should be aware of the boxes. And then if you start to get aware of these boxes, then you, know, you, you all have to go to the assumptions and what people probably think of you, which is absolutely not the same as what people really are thinking. And it's an emotional thing. And we as archaeologists tend to sort of avoid emotion. And well, there are many times when you are on site or wherever where you feel lonely or when you're feeling bad because your knees are going out or whatever that you think you're not liked or whatever. But, you're much more than your knees or your lonely position on watching Brief X or... Your perception of things is, is different and you have to challenge your own perceptions about this. You have to do it as your understanding of the landscape, but also of your understanding of yourself, your role as archaeologist and the role of archaeologists as a whole. A uh, big thing, for instance, is uh, we tend to say as a group and uh, nobody likes us. Well, if you're are a scientist and you go out there and you see that people cannot enough of us. So the box is partly your own choice and, and partly you are unaware of it, but try to be aware of it and address it. Talk to people. When you think there is a real problem with the box, talk to other people. And in the end, I will not say that the boxes go away, but at least you can make it a bit more comfortable. I think a lot of people are kind of worried, especially because uh, there's a lot of ridicule out there for people who speak up and out. And there seems to be a hunger for, let's call it, alternative history um, out there. How do archaeologists remain professional but also pro approachable in that kind of area? Strangely enough, I like alternative history. It's nonsense from my professional perspective, but... The ideas behind it, the stories, if it's in a positive light. And you have also the revisionist things, the, the ultra-nationalist things. But it, in, in the end, stories are, we even tell it in the Faro Convention. Everyone has its right on, every community has its right on its own. Archaeology, history, as long as it's legal. Uh, so 
we should professionally be able to engage it. And I think it's interesting. Even, strangely enough, talking to some of the supranationalists, it is easy because you see how people tick. And in, essentially, uh, how people tick is the reason why you do archaeology. It, well, I feel that way. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them. And there are times when you absolutely have to say, oh, this is beyond the pale and therefore I have to be very steady on it. But the strange thing is, if you let people with these alternate ideas sort of rent or clamp or let you advise for 20 minutes, their energy goes out. And then you can start having a conversation. And then you can reach the other. If you, after the first sentence, you say, it's nonsense, then you will not have a conversation and you will not be able to convince the other. And especially when face to face you're confronted with it, then stay calm, look for the human behind it and, and sort of make a picture why well, they're spouting in our eyes nonsense. There's definitely, yeah, no, it's just coming off that is there's the definite issue with the expert. Yeah. You know, this, the, there's one group of people who only respond to experts they want the facts of the past and that's how they want you to defeat the pseudo intellectuals but then the other side you're dealing with people who don't want experts it's a difficult area to navigate it is and therefore it is very wise to just of sort sort of use a few minutes of the, your contact the first minutes to sort of figure out where in the spectrum the other is mm -hmm then it's not the idea that you sort of sell yourself out by doing it, but then you know how to react to it, which can be scary mm -hmm. and exciting or fun even. Uh, so uh, it's not all bad, but if you don't like the extra, yeah, well, change your language. Uh, say the same things, but then add a question, give them an opportunity. Ask these silly questions. And one of the best silly questions you have, if someone doesn't like an expert, is why? And well, then you listen again and then you repeat, uh huh, why? And then slowly you, you sort of peel down, and then after a few minutes, well, 20 minutes in, you again, you get to make people stop and then you sort of engage. You have to. Yes, it costs time. I have mentioned 20 minutes a few yeah. times already. But that's sort of what you need to, to really get into a contact with the other person. Some people who say they loathe you, well, in the end, if you make them laugh, then probably their loathing is not that deep. So it's all about making connections, making human connections, and not a sort of a bossy thing of I know best or whatever. And some people are lovely spouting nonsense. Well, enjoy the contact and let them spout nonsense. Well, Archaeology can be fun, but I feel sometimes that gets lost. And I feel like archaeologists are quite prone to being self-reflective and I'll use it for lack of a better term, depressed and depressing about what the industry's like and the wider implications. Can archaeology be fun and how do how do we get to that fun place? No. Just doing things like this, system. Um, yeah, it is a, as simple as that. Have contact. Talk about what you love. Talk about the things. And we have a sort of a holy grail of the, the, the for instance, fieldwork. The best thing you can do is fieldwork. Well, 
I don't want to be rotter, but if you are on a silly place where it's cold, where the wind chill factor brings it down to minus 20, and the sleet is coming around, and you are sort of trying to draw, how fun is that? It's great at other stages, and, and it's wonderful, and your memories are fun in most cases, but most of field work is boring. And let's be honest, most of their jobs are about routine. And probably we couldn't do our jobs. Even a surgeon, it sounds very exciting, will do research. Uh, how, how excited will you be after you have done your 500th appendix uh, or uh, restored a hip or whatever? It's challenging, it's difficult, it, it gets this idea of, but it becomes routine as well. So we. We should be very much aware that, that sweat and just going through the motions are very much part of it. But engaging with your feelings, your idea, your, your own identity is helpful to relax. And don't take yourself that seriously. You mentioned, in the spirit of not taking yourself so seriously, you mentioned about uh, Back to the Future in your presentation, yeah. right at the end about the future of archaeology. Could you expand a little bit on that? Well, there have been phases where we were very optimistic in the past, and we there are these moments there where sort of collectively they, and I've had, been a few times where we think, now we have it, now we will turn, and now this, this thing will, and, and there were times when we were very much future, and we had this idea that this will bring answers, and then suddenly other things change, and all the answers are, well, not what we thought, but... These moments, and therefore the, the pun or the, the intent is that we should go back to these places where we are thinking about the possibilities. And that's our future. We can engage with, with who we want to be and not what we become. Uh, get your energy from, well, the dream. And that sounds very nebulous, but in the end, what we mostly do at these conferences is Reconnecting with the dream. Yes, of course, we do sessions, but we are here to reconnect with the dream. And we meet people we like, we've met before, we've studied with. So it is a whole social thing. And we, we, we tell the same stories every year in another form or to a slightly different thing. And it is all about the joy of, well, meeting someone else, someone who is very close to what you want to do. And, well, that's one of the secrets of any professional uh, you have and, and conference you have, you that's a joy. And I will not say that the speaking are bad or the, the, the sessions cannot be inspirational, but... It's the meeting of people. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And if uh, anybody... What are you kind of working on the moment, projects-wise? What have you got in the pipeline I that have... you can tell us about? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm, uh, well, as many of us do, uh, job hunting. Uh, but that's not an interesting because we, we do that, but there's, there are dreams and, and you try to find, well, for this, the next phase of your career, something you think is worthwhile because, well, pay is nice, but sort of being in a position you think is interesting is much nicer for us. But uh, thinking about teaching, thinking about how to address, well, some of the problems with the younger staff or uh, my students, uh, what it's be to be an archaeologist and that's very much on my thinking so what people generally associate me is uh, the archaeology of happiness first of all how do you prove it secondly of all how do we all enjoy it and and that's an, a very fun intellectual exercise where well, i spent quite a lot and uh, you can do it everywhere in the bath uh, 
in bed, uh, at conferences, in the pub. So, yeah. That's prop the biggest project uh, that takes up uh, space in my mind at this stage. So. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank and, you for uh, your time. And, uh, enjoy always the pleasure. rest of the conference. <laughs> I will, I will, undoubtedly. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.